Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back into the early line. Hour number two here on Sports Grid. I'm Dane, he's Kevin, and we have been looking at the world of sports, trying to make money off of it. It's very interesting. We are kind of in the middle of our roster reset, our way too early line with the Indianapolis Colts, and we'll get back into that um, in a couple of minutes. But first, I do got to ask you, Kevin, you know, as we kind of reset here at the top of the hour, it feels to me like we are on the precipice of more sports coming back, right? We're ironing out some of the details. We saw NASCAR run. We saw a golf kind of charity event live last weekend. It's feeling to me like more and more sports are happening. And, uh, you know, are you starting to get your uh, previews ready? Are you starting to feel mm. like we're ready to take me out to the ball game? Yeah, I mean, we're, I, I'm trying to stay optimistic. I'm trying to stay optimistic about all things because uh, that that's the best way to do it. And I... I hope we are we get to the point where I'm trying to figure out just how good Garrett Cole can be in an 82 game season. You know, I am so pissed off about this already. You know, I was talking to uh, some of my kind of respected other analysts in the game and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and and the, the when you mentioned Garrett Cole, I talked about it like the Yankees knew they were overpaying for Garrett Cole, right? You know, yeah. you are paying above market, right? to get him. And you know, the back end years of that contract are going to not look good. They're just not okay. They never do. Right. So this year though, is one of the years like you're paying for, you know what I mean? You're paying for, I don't know, call it four great years and then two or three that are going to look bad. Well, this is one of the four that it was supposed to like look good. And now this one gets compromised, you know, it's like hurting the value of the signing of Garrett Cole, but I digress. We got to get into this because, you know, If you've been watching the early line over the last couple of weeks, you know that Kevin seems to think the Colts are one of those teams that could be a legitimate, you know, big-time contender. I don't know if it's even a sleeper because it has been a popular opinion among folks to, like, watch Mm -hmm. out for the Colts. And to be quite honest, I was on them last year, Kevin, as a kind of chic Super Bowl contender, but that's when I thought Andrew Luck was coming back to manage Mm -hmm. the team. This team, you know, has Phillip Rivers now in that stead, has augmented the defensive line. I like what they did on the skill positions as well. So let's see where you have them winding up. If you're new to this, we go game by game to kind of see uh, if there's any scheduling tweaks or, you know, any other concerns. Because it's one thing to be like, oh, I like this team. Give them 10 and 6. But when you actually <laughs> go through the exercise of going game by game and then you kind of cross-check it, up against some of the futures bets, you then have, I think, a better idea of where the value actually is. So let's play the game with the Indianapolis Colts and their schedule. I mean, I think you're going to give them a couple of wins, but we'll find out. They open the season on the road against uh, who at that point, I don't think it's going to be, eh, it's probably still Gardner Minshew, but they're in Jacksonville week one. Yeah, he'll, 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 he'll start. They'll roll him out. Uh, and that's the Colts getting a win. There you go. I really want to see where you have these Colts losses. But in any event, week two, they are home. The home opener, they welcome Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings to the Dome for their home opener. That's a tough game. It's a tough game, but they're better suited being at home. That's true. All right. You got them 2-0. and They stay at home and welcome Sam Darnold and the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets into town. Week three. Jets would be an interesting one, but this is not a good spot for them. So, Colts. Colts are 3-0. and Then they go on the road to see your boy Nick Foles in Chicago. Mm. Right, so this is a perfect question. We are going to see Kevin's loyalties right here because if it's one thing, if it's one thing that he has been kind of deferring to more than the Colts, yeah. it's the almighty big Nick energy that yeah. may be taking over in Chicago. So uh, now what do you do? Now what do you do? Mm-hmm. At a heart here, Colts in Chicago. I think it'll be Foles on the center by then, but go ahead. So I would, I'd hope it falls under center. The thing to me is, right, yeah. the Bears still bring an elite defense. And I still have my questions about <laughs> Philip Rivers. This is awful. Skip, can I skip? No, no I absolutely, have to pick. I absolutely must pick. Um, I will give them a loss. 
There it is. So anybody who's keeping track, in the totem pole for Kevin's uh, love, <laughs> Nick Foles is, you know, has not been knocked off just he's yet. Above, he's, I, above, I, he's above Frank Reich. After they do that, they stay on the road, and they go to Baker in Cleveland. Oh, that's interesting. That's a double-up road trip. Back-to-back road games. You know what? They might lose that one. I think that's right. fair to say. So you don't like them. You got them 3-0 to start, then stumbling on the road. When they get back home, they get a little bit of a reprieve, in my opinion, Joe Burrow and since he comes to town. You give him that yeah, one? Absolutely. All right, so that's a win to make them 4-2. and two. Then they go on the road to Detroit. I like them against Detroit. Against, you have 5-2. and two. Fair enough. Um, after that, after Detroit, they are home in a big-time matchup. This is the Ravens. Coming to town. Wow. And this is the... Oh, man, this is difficult. Home against the Ravens. The Ravens, so good, man. I will give... uh, Let's go Ravens right now. Ravens. So that is a loss for the Colts. You have them at five and three. Yeah. Five and three halfway through the season. By the way, that bye had already happened. I skipped it. That was week seven. Uh, that was after the Bengals going to Detroit, but you had them winning that game anyway. Oh, yeah. yeah after yeah. the Ravens, this is the first time they are on prime time, and it's one of those road Thursday night games, tough one, at Tennessee. Wow, interesting. Um, now, yesterday, I actually think I gave this to the Colts. Right, remember this, because Tennessee had the Colts two times in three weeks yeah. with the Ravens in between. Now for the Colts, they have the Titans two times in three weeks with a home game against the Green Bay Packers in between. So how do you think they it's, – it's just to clarify, though, at Tennessee, home Green Bay, home Tennessee. And this is where, like, it's always – you know, you kind of try and figure out, like, the continuity of things, right? But yep. – I think at the time, I don't know if I realized this was the a Thursday night short week road game for the Colts. So I'm going to give this one to Tennessee. All right. So you got them losing that. Then home for the next two games, Green Bay and Tennessee. So I like them to win both of those because they got the extended week against Green Bay, and that's big. All right. So you have them 2-1 and one in that tough stretch. You have them 7-4 and four right now going into the, uh, you know, the uh, meat, let's say, of the schedule, sure. right? Um Am I missing something? No, they start that off with a road trip at Houston. I have to, like, find Texans wins somewhere. And I think maybe that could be a decent spot for them with the Colts battling in that very, very difficult four-week Fair enough. Back-to-back road trips. After Houston, they go to Sin City to take on the Raiders. Oh, wow. That's fun. Um, Rivers going west. I could see that as a letdown spot for them, actually. I'm going to still lean Colts because the Raiders are, as you like to say, defecate the mattress. There you go. You got them eight and five with three games left to play. Um, They have the Texans again. So, again, this is interesting. In this AFC South, right, you get two games in three weeks against the Titans, and then – the same thing happens with the Texans. Two games in three weeks against the Texans, this time with the Raiders in between. We yeah. already said at Houston, then at Las Vegas, they come back home where Deshaun Watson will meet them. Yeah, I think that the, they uh, in week 15. I, yeah, I think that we won that. We talked about that being one of the scheduling uh, quirks. It favors the team that lost uh, right. game one mightily. So it could be a blessing and a curse. But here I have them splitting both of those. And I think, you know, when we get to it, I'll probably have. You know, I'll probably have them split in both of them. So, okay. yeah, I have the Colts winning this one. All right, fair enough. They got two games left on the schedule. Uh, they go to Pittsburgh in week 16. Great. And this could be, yo, listen, Great. I think yeah. this could be an opportunity to maybe be flexed. This could be one of the Saturday spotlight sure. games even. Um, I could definitely see a role where playoffs or seeding is on the line in this one. They are at Heinz Field to take on the Steelers. Awesome game. Awesome, awesome game here. Um I'm going to roll Steelers. All right, fair enough. I think you'll give them a win in their finale. It's a home date against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I've got them. All right. Get the Jags. You know uh, where you have them, Landon? Was that 11 and 5? You have them 10 and 6. You have them 10 and 6, Kevin, okay? okay? So remember, now I've got to ask you, their win total, 8.5. Yep. Uh, Does 10 and 6 win 
the AFC South, in your opinion, Kevin? You know, we got to kind of remember these, right? Because we talked yeah. Titans. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, yeah, the Titans going 9-7, and seven, mm-hmm. I believe, yesterday, right? We know the Jags. I don't think you're going to have them as a contender. Tomorrow, we'll shine a spotlight on the Houston Texans. I think that'll be very interesting to go through. But you have right now the Colts as 10-6. and six. Is 10-6 and six getting the Division one? I, I think so, right? I have the Titans right. at 9-7. and seven. I don't expect the Texans to be that high up on my rankings. We've, um, you know, kind of pinned the Jaguars. As per usual, after I go through this, um, to me, so 10-6, and six, right, isn't the – that's not the best record in the NFL, right? 10-6 no, is not going to be the best record in the NFL I at all. I also want to make another point. Well, we've done the AFC North, right? Mm-hmm. We had, like, the Browns, the Steelers. We had a lot of those teams right in the 9-7 and seven range, yeah. right? So we got to mm-hmm. keep track of all this because ultimately, Kevin, as we go through all these teams, we are, in essence, going to build the playoff bracket, right? right. We're going to know who you have as, oh, the four seed in the AFC or whatever the case yeah. may be. So with that context, I personally think 10-6 and six would win the division. Wouldn't get you the bye, though, in no. the AFC. Right. This would be playing on wild card weekend. This reeks to me of like three seed in the AFC, right? Like behind KC and Baltimore, potentially. This reeks to me of three seed in the AFC. But what do you think? Where do you think 10 and six lands the Indianapolis Colts? So I think the biggest difference maker for this team and their schedule is the AFC North. I think four and two is the floor of their in-division record. I think the NFC North schedule that they have works out wonderfully for them with them getting to host the Vikings and the Packers the way that they are. Mm-hmm. The North, though, is very interesting because it's the second straight road game with their trip to Cleveland. Yep, It's a road game, massive implications, Week 16 against the Steelers yep. and playing host to the Baltimore Ravens. I yeah. think it's I think 3-0 and is conceivable. I think 0-3 is conceivable. Right, and that'll I, be a big one. I think in this exercise... I think I had them 0-3. And I don't know if, again, maybe 2-1, and 1-2. One, one so to me, Dane, as, as yeah. we kind of keep going through this, the yeah. North is the difference with this team being a 3 or a 4 seed or a 1 or a 2 seed. All of it, though, equates to me still really liking that over 8.5. No, absolutely. So you have a little bit of daylight here, right? So maybe you do go ahead and click submit on their over, you know. And then I also think, you know, does 10 and 6 get Frank Reich the coach of the year award? 10 and 6, exactly. Probably let's not. Let's say he's 10 and 6. Let's say they win the AFC North, yeah. right? And let's just say Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson do not get concussed or tear their ACL. And it does wind up, you know, we'll play this out a little bit more. But let's say the Colts are the three seed and like the Bills or the Pats or the four seed, let's say, you know, when they're that kind of team that was not the big boy, but they're there ready to go and live. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that gets Frank Reich the coach of the year award. Yes or no? Because we could run it up against the break. No, that's not enough. All right. Fair enough. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into the Colts. When we come back, I want to see a fantasy diamond in the rough or a Fugazi. We're going to find someone who Kevin Walsh has to forget about on this roster. Stay tuned for that. Come on back. It's the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back into the early line here on SportsGrid. We are giving you all the edges to be had on this year's Indianapolis Colts. We just went through their schedule, Kev. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got them 10 and 6. You know, they don't – they have some ups and downs. You know, kind of the gauntlet of uh, divisional matchups kind of twice in three weeks I think is a interesting feature of the Colts' record. But, you know, going into this, we've been joking about how you are bullish mm-hmm. on the Indianapolis Colts. And you even threw out um, kind of other specialty bets that you can see on the FanDuel Sportsbook. And I do want to explain those to people before we dig into the kind of diamond and fugazi of it all. One of them, Kevin, that you referenced is the team with the best record in the NFL. Okay, what team is going to have the best record in the NFL? Um, And the Colts are on the board there. Um, They are kind of the eighth choice there. They're at 20 to 1, though. 20 to 1. Okay, the same level as the Green Bay Packers, the Minnesota Vikings, and the New England Patriots. All right, your other 
kind of contenders for that, you know the names. It's the same as the Super Bowl kind of odds, right? Ravens, Chiefs, Niners, Saints, Cowboys, Bucks are all out there ahead of the Colts. Um, mm. You got them going 10-6. and six. You talked about some variance there. I can understand if you projected 10-6, and six, getting to 11-5, and five, getting to 9-7, and seven, maybe even getting to 12-4. and four. I don't know if 12-4 and four is the best record in the NFL. Given the game-by-game schedule look that we had, would you be less confident making this bet? No, actually, because okay. to me, I think something sometimes, right, this this specific bet is not who do you think the best team in the team is in the league. And I still come away from this schedule feeling like it is a very, very winnable schedule. Sure. And to me, it's the talent plus situation that All gives right. them that kind of potential. But I'd like to try and flip something back around to you because – um, the hot seat of picking these games is a difficult one, but I have a hypothetical for you that ultimately doesn't matter, but I cannot help but think about here. Fire away. If I flip the quarterbacks of the last two teams that we've done here with the Titans and the Colts, mm. what does that do for you? Not much. Remember, we... Same? Not much. Yeah, I mean, we, we discovered yesterday... <laughs> Kevin, that you are higher on Ryan Tannehill than most. Pull the clip. We talked about him. You talked about him as a top 12 quarterback in the NFL. I disagree with you on that, Kevin. Right? Tannehill is. Tannehill last year, purely from a production standpoint, had one of the three best seasons of all quarterbacks. So we talk about regression. It just can he be a top 12 quarterback? It can be fluky. We've seen fluky seasons a thousand times, right? Cam Newton was like the unanimous MVP. It was never the same, but that was injury. Like, look, there's a lot of different things that can play a factor. I would say, I guess based on what Ryan Tannehill did last year, he yeah. might have a higher ceiling than Phillip Rivers. I think Rivers I probably has that, a that the floor. ceiling is higher. I just don't trust the ceiling to happen, okay? If you ask me, I just don't think – I think regression will happen. Now, your point is well taken, okay? I'm no cheerleader for Phillip Rivers at this stage of his career and what really is he – dropped into the rest of this. And I understand what you're kind of doing by that question. And if it's other kind of quarterbacks that we've discussed even recently on this show, you know, like, for example, if instead of signing Philip Rivers, if they signed Teddy Bridgewater instead, I think that would be maybe better. Okay, if they sat in the marketplace and wound up with the game manager of Andy Dalton, might that be better? I can understand what you're saying, but I, 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 I am lower on Ryan Tannehill than you. And I think that I see a path to the kind of bounce back for Philip Rivers, because as we discussed the familiarity with Frank Reich, he may be able to, like, get the most out of him again for one last hurrah. So I don't think it's a crazy question, but no, I, I don't think swapping quarterbacks with Ryan Tannehill would ultimately help the 2020 Colts. Because here's the thing. If you actually thought about it at that level, mm-hmm. then, like, Jacoby Brissett can take this team to the playoffs. You know what and I mean? This is why I'm asking it, basically, yeah, right. is when we go through a lot of these divisions, right, like, the differentiator, typically in the NFL, is the quarterback situation, right? Like, Lamar's established himself now as the oh. king of the north. Or, or if you do, and when we do the NFC East, right, Dak yeah, versus yeah. Wentz will be a massive point of contention. But we're sitting here. We all know Watson's the best quarterback in the division. Now, maybe things change when we go through the Texans. I'm not sure that it necessarily will. But we're almost looking at two teams in the Titans and the Colts that are very driven by strong rosters, balanced rosters, with good head coaches, with two quarterbacks that maybe can get it done. You just hope that they're not disastrous. That's why I think it's so fascinating to me, and it's really the main reason that I bring it up, where like we both somewhat like the cult, but we're not making the argument, well, give me Rivers over Tannehill. Right. I think think that's true, and I think it is because of this – quality roster that you're talking about, belief in Frank Reich. It's not like, oh, Philip Rivers is what moves the needle in the same way that Tom Brady is the reason that there's steam on the Bucks. This is not all attributed to Philip Rivers, right? And think about this. When we've been talking about it, we've been talking about, oh, they did good things in the draft. Ooh, we like the development of them in the trenches. Ooh, you know, like these kinds of things. Oh, we believe in Frank Reich as a coach. You know, so we're not going to, like, exhibit A being that they have a quarterback that will lead them. And I've made this point before to you. I only think there's, you know, seven, eight, nine quarterbacks that are that description. 
like they're the dude that leads them to the promised land, right? I said what really is the case, the bigger group in the NFL is this group of quarterbacks that like with the right system, with the right players, with the good defense can get it done. They're not leading, raising all boats, but they're not, you know, messing it up either. And quite frankly, at this point of the career, I would put Phillip Rivers in that category and I would put Ryan Tannehill in that category. That's why I talk about tiers. And for me, Tannehill and Rivers are both there. Like, neither one of them are Dwayne Haskins, Gardner Minshew, right? But neither one of them, in my opinion, are going to be the reason that they go to uh, have a successful 2020. The one other thing I want to ask you before we get into the Diamonds and the Fugazis from the fantasy aspect, because you mentioned this, frivolously and casually, but the idea of, hey, they may go 16-0. and 0. Um, <laughs> There are bets for that. In oh, yeah. And I think this is interesting, okay? So I wanted to get your thought on this before we go back into the Colts. They have a prop, will any team go 16-0 and 0 in the NFL? And that's 11-1, to 1, okay? What they also then have is specifically, will the Ravens go 16-0? and 0? And that's 30-1. to 1. Will the Chiefs go undefeated? That's 20 to 1. And will the Bucks go undefeated? That's 80 to 1. Huh. Now, I like to go shopping around, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea that you can get the Chiefs at 20 to 1 to go undefeated mm-hmm. and the Ravens at 30 to 1 to go undefeated. Mm-hmm. But yet they have the same exact number, Kevin to be the team with the best record in the NFL. That is weird to me. Because if you're capping them both evenly to have the same record or have the best record in the NFL, why is there a shorter number for the Chiefs to go undefeated than the Baltimore Ravens by a good distance, 20 to 1 versus 30 to 1, yet you think they're both co-favorites to have the best record in the league? Do you see any inconsistencies there? I Yes, but what I would think it has to boil down to is the Chiefs being favored over the Ravens when they play. That, I mean, now where's that game? Because I thought it might have been in Baltimore. But maybe it's in Kansas City. That's an interesting point. I'll get that up for because you. Uh, keep going. I'll get that up. If it's in Baltimore, then Baltimore should be favored in that game. If it's in Kansas City, obviously the Chiefs will be favored. Yeah, it is in Baltimore on a Monday night to finish week three of the season. Then I, then I guess the only other thing would be Right, so that debunks your theory, right? Because the game's in Baltimore. Right. The only other thing would be the divisions where the Chiefs are king. Andy Reid has dominated yeah, their West, division. You take out the Chiefs and the teams like the Broncos, Chargers, and Raiders have huh. similar win totals in the 7-8 range as the Steelers and the Browns. Like the Browns and Steelers are both 8-8.5, eight, eight right? Huh. That's what we're seeing with the Chargers and the Broncos also. And and I think that there should be a considered a gap between those teams. But really, though, I would say that then there should be a gap in best record. I think, and I think that's more so what you're getting at. I think there should be a gap in best record because the division to me is harder for the Ravens than the. So it's interesting though. If you did, and and listen, let's put it this way. I don't think this is a good bet. I don't think any teams are going undefeated this year, right? But I do think it's interesting how in some markets they are viewed evenly, and in other markets they are not. They both, for example, have a win total of 11.5, right? They both have the same odds to have the best record in the NFL. There's slight differences in things like the AFC Championship, the Super Bowl, but it's just another point, right? Shop around and get the right market. You've been talking about this even with method of victory in the UFC. We've been talking about alternate lines and goals scored in soccer, right? So I just find it interesting. I don't think the Colts are a true contender for this, but when we're talking about the big boys in the AFC, it is a point to be made. I want to say, get rid of the Bucs. That's completely nonsense. That's just people trying to get Brady money. No problem, right? But there there is a scenario where, now they play each other, so it can't actually pin out. Maybe one of these teams could be favored in all 16. Mm -hmm. So I don't know the Chiefs' schedule as well off the top of my head, but I know that the Chiefs well, will the Chiefs be, favored. be favored. They won't be favored on they, the road right. in Baltimore. They won't be favored on the road in Baltimore. I don't know if there are any other spots the on others? their schedule where that would jump out. At Baltimore, 
at New Orleans would be my guesses. At New Orleans, week 15, they may be a dog. At Tampa, week 12, they may be a dog. But you're right. I don't really see any other options unless, you know, in the season, on the road at, yeah. let's say, the Chargers, the Broncos get off hot. Yeah. And I still don't they, see there that. Maybe. So Baltimore is going to be favored over the Chiefs. The yep. question is, the road trip to the Colts and the road trip to Pittsburgh, are they still favorites? I think Pittsburgh, it's very dependent on how Pittsburgh looks at the time. The Colts, pick them. Maybe Ravens minus one. The Ravens might be favored in all 16. And for them uh, to have the second odds to that, if there was ever value on a team going 16-0. and 0, let me uh, temp- – oh, wait, maybe mm, – I thought I saw one, but it was Brooklyn at Buffalo, not Baltimore. Um, I mean, I guess it's possible. What about at New England in prime time? They have to be favorable. What about at Pittsburgh on Thanksgiving night? Yeah, that's the – to me, it's, it'd be at Pittsburgh. I still think they're favored in Cleveland. It'd be at Pittsburgh, and we're deep into the season. It depends how both these teams look then, and it's, the, and it's at the Colts where – At New England – Remember, at New England, by the way, for Baltimore, we'll, we'll get back onto the Colts and do some fantasy sure. action um, in a second. But I'll also note for you that the road trip to New England is a Sunday night, and it is the week after they're at Indy. Okay, so it's the second of back-to-back and in prime time on the road to New England. That may be another spot, but I get you. You know, it's interesting for some of these teams. And when we get to other... Other teams, we may look at the spreads game by game to see if they will, in fact, be favored in all the games and see if there's any daylight there between their win total. But when we come back, here's what we're going to do, Kevin. We got to give out some diamonds and fugazis. We'll do so for the Indianapolis Colts. Who do you want to draft and who do you forget about? That's what we're talking here on the early line, giving you the edge on sports grade. Come on back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back here on the early line on SportsGrid. Dane and Kevin looking into the Indianapolis Colts as we kind of reset the roster and give you the way too early lines for the 2020 season. Kevin has not going 10-6, and six, thinks that could be enough to win the division, thinks that could be enough to get some postseason recognition for their head coach, but doesn't necessarily see them as overtaking the kind of true big boys in the AFC of Kansas City and, uh, excuse me, and Baltimore, does think that they could be kind of a step ahead uh, any team in the AFC East. I kind of agree. I think this is a I think this is a kind of three seed team. I also think the Colts could be the champions of that division. And so we talked about a couple of ways to make some money off of them. We also in our number one, Kev, we're talking about their running back room. You know, we've heard everything from like, oh, they're a one-one punch, right? Or mm-hmm. oh, the breakdown maybe 50-40-10 in a kind of committee. And look, the Colts, another team with a good offense that have an RBB three, three running backs in that room that can get in the end zone for fantasy owners in Marlon Mack, the rookie Jonathan Taylor, who I think is a value at 10 to 1 to win the rookie of the year. And then of course in the PPR element of it all, Naheem Hines. I'm going to give you a diamond in a second, but can I ask you? um, For me, I say it all the time. Rule number one of fantasy sports is know your settings, know the format. And to me, Kevin, a guy like Naheem Hines, okay, is someone who gets a big-time boost in PPR formats, okay? Oh, I think this is a guy, he could, he's going to catch four or five balls a game, in my opinion, okay? Mm-hmm. We've talked about guys like Keyshawn Vaughn, the rookie in Tampa, right? Tariq Cohen, other kinds of guys who get a bump in value because of that. Um, Naheem, quali- Naheem Hines qualifies for me because of the format, right? Yeah, I, I think he has to. And also, it does feel like the two guys in front of him are just not the same level of pass catcher. And you know, maybe, you know, with Austin Eckler did with Phillip Rivers, maybe he's going to really want to get more out of yeah. Hines. So I, I think, yeah, I think there's definitely value to be had with Himes. Of course, yes, you have to be playing your PPR leagues, which is 
become the new standard, I would pretty much say, uh, in fantasy football. I wanted to ask you about Jonathan Taylor specifically. Talk to me. Because you mentioned his ADP was 18. So I, I have him I, at... Yeah. I'd like to hear who's around him. I know I'm a bit lower, I think, probably than on Taylor, but I know I'd take James Conner before Jonathan Taylor. I'm just curious who else is around this circle. Uh, so you are correct here. Uh, I have J- uh, JT going at uh, running back 18 off the board. Fair enough, right? Um, right up, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> so uh, you want to know one of them that's about three or four ahead of them is your boy Austin Eckler. I know you would take Eckler ahead of Jonathan Taylor. Here are the three names immediately above Jonathan Taylor. And I'll tell you the truth. I would take two of the three of them above uh, Jonathan Taylor. One of them I would not. Jonathan Taylor is at number 18. Okay. I'll give you 15, 16, and 17. 15, Todd Gurley. You want Gurley or Jonathan Taylor? Gurley. Okay. 16, this is the one I may take Taylor over. Number 16, Chris Carson in Seattle. Carson was great, man. If, if he's he healthy, assuming Carson's health, I'd take Carson. So I am down on Carson's health. I yeah, also which think fair. that Penny could get a bigger chunk of the pie as he is in year two, right? Um, and to be quite honest, I'm going to tell you something. I have been talking about Seattle as a team that may add to the running back room. I thought so in the draft. You know, mm-hmm. I uh, there's still names like a Devontae Freeman, a Lamar Miller kind of out there. I don't know that the Seahawks running back picture is complete yet. So that's kind of my disclaimer on that one. Uh, mm-hmm. Number 17, this is an interesting one. You know how we talk about Derrick Henry and how in the last year of his deal, they may, you know, you may not think it's good long-term for Derrick Henry, but the Titans may chew him up and spit him out, which makes it good for fantasy owners. Mm -hmm. We'll apply that logic, in my opinion, to number 17 on this list, Gavin. Do you know who I'm talking about? It's a running back in the same division as the Colts. Who we got? Who do we got? Who we got? Leonard Fournette? Correct. Leonard Fournette. Okay. He's number 17. And I know there's been a lot of drama. There's been a lot of talk. There's been a lot of acrimony with a lot of Jaguars players. But I do fully believe. Listen, dang guy. You know, it's what, Chris Thompson there in Jacksonville? That is a pass-catching back. One of the good ones in this PPR kind of format that we're talking about. But I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna use up Leonard Fournette. I think he's gonna get a ton of carries. I would take Leonard Fournette over Jonathan Taylor, especially because of the committee aspect in uh, in Indianapolis versus Jacksonville. Those mm-hmm. are the guys above Jonathan Taylor. So Fournette is someone to me who I feel like was was really kind of hard done by just the idea around him. I'm looking at it. One, two, three, four, five, six. He was RB seven last year, and I just feel like the conversation around Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Yeah. I really like the conversation around Fournette is like, oh, he's not good. I'm like, yeah. that's wild to me. Yep. I, I agree I don't, with you. And people yeah. don't realize that he actually does have some value in the pass game also. He he's does. He's as one of these plotting in between the tackle, first and second down backs. But they use him a lot more in the pass game. And I think that delta mm-hmm. is the difference on his value. I'll ask you this about Fournette as a yeah, devil's right. advocate. If he's traded midseason, right. do you think he would be – Pleased or bothered by that outcome? I know, of course, it depends on well, where. Where he lands, right? Of course. But do you think there's a world where he is traded? Because it's, it's, it's trying to figure no, out. No, I'd what be down on it, Kevin. Here's why. I, he, I'd be down on it, okay? Because right now for Jacksonville, he's got a major piece of the pie, okay? In I cannot envision a scenario. I cannot figure out the team, Kevin, where he would get traded and maintain the same size of the slice of a pie. Okay. Correct. Right. And so it's hard for me to imagine that. So no, just to finish out this thought here, you were asking about everything around Taylor. I gave you the names above. Let me give you two or three of the names below. And quite frankly, I take some of these dudes over Jonathan Taylor as well. Uh, Melvin Gordon is right behind him in Denver. I'd take Melvin Gordon. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Then we got into what we were talking about before: uh, David Johnson, Mark Ingram, Le'Veon Bell. I would take DJ and Lev Bell over Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I, and I'd take Mark Ingram over Jonathan. All right. So, with all of that analysis, does that mean that uh, for you, Taylor is more of a diamond or a fugazi, or do you think he's, you know, uh, in the three little bears? Is he just right? 
I think he's a Fugazi, but where I would like to defer to you as, yep. you know, more of the, the fantasy expert is does the back end of the season hold more weight? Because yep. and maybe Taylor catches on. Yep. Rookies generally ascend in the back end. I like what you're saying here. But to be honest, and I know this is going to sound weird, the only Colts running back I'm going to have this year is Naheem Hines because I am not going to play whack-a-mole with this. I am not going to deal with Taylor and Mac because every single week I'm going to wind up getting it wrong, okay? And times when I think Marlon Mack's going to pop, that's when JT will. To be quite honest, I believe the most consistent that you can rely on as a fantasy manager would actually be Naheem Hines. But let me tell you my diamond here, uh, Kevin. For me, and this is a guy, you know how you talk about how you know, uh, you have some guys that you just have always been high on or you always think get kind of under-respected. Yeah. My diamond in the rough is one of those players for the Indianapolis Colts, T.Y. Hilton. All right, for me, T.Y. gets under-respected frequently. The last time, Kevin, that T.Y. Hilton played a full season, mm. he led the NFL in receiving yards. Okay, now he is going as wide receiver 24 in drafts. I think that's ridiculous. I think that um, he had inconsistent quarterback play last year. He had injury issues last year. And the other part here is with Michael Pittman on the other side and what I think he can be. T.Y. Hilton has never really had a number two wide receiver on the other side that takes attention. Okay, think about this. Can you name these number two wideouts for the Colts? It's been guys, you know, like um, uh, Zach. I can't even remember them. Zach Pascal? You know, and we've talked about, like, I guess he hasn't had one since Pierre Garçon that's actually commanded attention. I think Pittman will command some attention, freeing up T.Y. Hilton a little bit more. I think he will be a target monster for the Indianapolis Colts. I think the switch to Phillip Rivers is helpful because he'll throw it up whether he's open or not. Oh, yeah. I like T.Y. Hilton. To be quite honest, right now, as wideout 24, he's going as a back-end wide receiver, too. I'm going to tell you, I am what if T.Y. Hilton is my number two wideout. He is going wide receiver 24 in ADP right now. And that is why he is a diamond in the rough for me because I cannot name 23 wide receivers I'd rather have than T.Y. Hilton. I would struggle to name 12 or 15. You ever been so off from the consensus that you wonder if you're crazy? I was going to ask you, is he above A.J. Brown, who you told me was wide receiver 10? No. He's at 24. I'm crazy. And I hope A.J. Brown to die. A diamond, because I love A.J. Brown and W.O. But relatively speaking, that's what it is, you know, to me. And again, that's why we've said a few times, Kevin, I'm not throwing shade at the player, right? To me, this is a market, okay? They're either overvalued or undervalued. And that's why I kind of frame it sometimes like he's going to wind up on a lot of my teams or not. Okay, T.Y. Hilton is going to wind up on a lot of my effing teams this season, Kevin, right? Because I'm going to tell you right now, if I'm in the – you know, if I'm in, like, the fourth round, okay, and I have, oh, I don't know, and I'm going to be naming a couple of players that are all above T.Y. Hilton in ADP right now, Kevin. If I'm drafted in the fourth round, I've already gotten my couple of running backs, and I'm looking for my wideout, too, and T.Y. Hilton is on the board with these players, with D.K. Metcalf, with mm. Calvin Ridley, with Devontae Parker, with D.J. Moore, with Robert Woods, even with I already said DK Metcalf, right? With yeah. also Tyler Lockett, these are all players. Two Seattle receivers are above T.Y. Hilton. Last I checked, Seattle was a run-heavy team. Last I checked, Philip Rivers is going to chuck it up about forty times. If I am in the fourth round drafting, yeah. and these names are there, my pick is T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, I mean you're naming Atlanta's what number two? Like number you're naming. Two. Seattle Patrick's number one. Yeah. I've just this is it, it's it's quite bizarre to me to hear him this low. It it begs the question then is everybody expecting this team to run the football 
50 times a game. Like, is Phillip Rivers quarterback 39? Like, what? what's going on here? Is he going to be like a game manager? I think that's interesting to ask. But no, you know what this is going to be. I just think people are – I just think people are – you mentioned the point about looking more years previous, right? And I think people are just forgetting about that. That's why I started my take on T.Y. Hilton by saying the last time he was healthy, he led the NFL in receiving yards. I think, quite frankly, people are just forgetting that. And if you want to know the answer to your other question, Philip Rivers is going as QB 22. We get into some fugazis for the Indianapolis Colts when we come back. It's the early line right here on Sports. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the early line. And down the stretch we come looking at the Indianapolis Colts. You see how I worked in a horse reference there, yeah. Kevin? That's okay. what the spitting statistician does. Come on now. <laughs> it's not my first rodeo. Let's talk about these Colts. It seems like we're high. I I think people are just disrespecting T.Y. Elton. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. You see his stats. We covered them already. Also, you know you know the, um, uh, the Players' Tribune? Uh, where it's a lot of the kind of articles and stuff like from the voice of the player. There was one time where I, I saw, I think it was, I forget who it was, but it was a it was a Pro Bowl cornerback. It was like Patrick Peterson giving okay. his top five hardest covers oh, love in those. the NFL. Okay, and, and, or, and he also talked about like, if you had to build the perfect NFL wide receiver, you know, mm -hmm. he was like, I'd take Larry Fitzgerald's hands with, you know, Calvin Johnson's size and speed, yeah. right, whatever it is. I was struck by the fact that uh, this corner, I think it might have been Patrick Peterson, said that he would take the route-running ability of T.Y. Hilton. He said that T.Y. Hilton, he said, and I respect the man's opinion, he's a Pro Bowl quarterback, was the best route-runner in the NFL. And that's a kind of skill set that, you know, the casual fan, the public, doesn't think about. But T.Y. gets that separation. And I'm just saying he's a great wide receiver when he had, you know, Andrew Luck and health. He's a wide-out one, absolutely, in my opinion. So that is a value for me. Who do you not see the value on uh, for the Indianapolis Colts? You know, I would, I would, I would say, you know, as much as we talk about the running backs, but I, I don't think Philip Rivers will end up on any of my teams. We've talked about yeah. waiting on on uh, the quarterback. Philip Rivers is usually a guy that you can find yourself being in on. Uh, like ah, you know, be enough garbage time. He's just he's Philip Rivers. He'll figure it out. But I think just off the heels of last season, he wasn't trustworthy enough. I do think that this is a team that will want to try to run the football as much as, you know, the opportunity will dictate. T.Y. Hilton will be the number one. Like, this isn't, to me, contradicting the thoughts that we just put out there with T.Y. Hilton. I just don't – I don't expect the volume. And overall, I don't expect to be able to trust Phillip Rivers enough to where he's a part of even a quarterback – group for me if that's how I'm going to handle the quarterback position yeah no I think that's fair listen Rivers has year in year out been one of those kind of guys that's like the safe play you know mm -hmm. what I mean I mentioned this previously when we talked about uh, Matthew Stafford I believe right like the dude is going to get 4,300 yards the question is is he going to have the like 19 interceptions that we've started to see in the last few years and remember when you're drafting quarterback I do in fact recommend to wait on quarterback and then specifically go safe and upside and Phillip Rivers is definitely one of those safe quarterbacks. I already told you, Kev, I'm not taking whoever the highest-ranked Colts running back is, okay? Because I think they will be in a committee. I'll be searching for value a little bit later on um, in the draft. So there you have the Indianapolis Colts. We do think they will be a contender. Do you have any closing final thoughts about the Indianapolis Colts? Because I, I also think they're going to be interesting when we play this uh, quarterback market 2021 game because <laughs> I don't know if Phillip Rivers stays, right? And I don't know what how Eason develops, and I also don't know what they do with Jacoby Brissett. It's a very interesting quarterback room. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is of all the teams that we've done where we've tried to figure out uh, team win totals, yeah. I think the Colts is the one that I find myself with the most confidence in. 
I, uh, I agree with that. And I there's think, a reason why it's minus 160 or so, but right. I, I and I don't think we've gotten many teams to double digits, right? I think we got the Packers to maybe 10 or 11 wins. Yeah, and now the Colts. So fluky. So as you keep and both that. I don't know if both right. were even if they're over when we got to the double digits. Yeah, so those are the teams that we do see in the playoffs. We'll keep that going with the Houston Texans tomorrow. It'll be very interesting to see with all the uh, production, you know, sucked away with DeAndre Hopkins. Who do we think is primed and ready to fill that void? But I also want to ask you, did you see, I told you, I call it weather porn, Kevin, when I see golf out there, and oh boy, was it beautiful. Did you see any of the driving relief with Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, and the crew? Let me tell you something, all right, Kevin? They were playing for big money, all right? Ultimately, Rory and DJ won. They won like 11 skins to seven, right? It wound up being that team got $1.85 million in charity for charity. Uh, the Ricky Fowler, Matt Wolf group got $1.15 million, right? So winners all around. Here's what I want to ask you about. Mm. It came to a playoff, Kevin. Okay, it went to a playoff for something like 1.1 million that got rolled over into the last hole. And the way they did it was like just closest to the pin yeah. from like 120 yards away. I don't know how much you've ever played golf, Kevin, mm -hmm. but like when I'm standing over, say, like a six foot putt and it's the difference of me like beating or losing to my friend or if there's like twenty dollars on the line, yeah. I get nervous. Okay, it's anxiety. <laughs> These dudes were shooting from 120 yards away with over a million dollars on the line. Kevin, would you keep a steady hand in that situation? No. Um, <laughs> the last time I was on a golf course, I went uh, with three people, and I told them, I said, "I'm not here to play. I'm here to I'm here to drink." So figure out who's driving. That's yeah. what I'm doing, and that's exactly. I didn't swing. I was like, "No, no, no! Look, that's not what I'm here for." It was I'll carry the cooler. Day. It was the day that Anthony Davis officially was traded to the Lakers. Okay. So we're on the golf course, and I'm like, let's go! And they're like, will you stop? And I'm like, what? You know what I mean? I had a couple in me at that point. Nevertheless, yeah. what made we crack up about this golf tournament is, if you remember, I was like, give me Matt Wolf because I never heard of him. Yes. He was a dog. And yes. I was going to text you. I'm like, look, man, we're rolling hot now. UFC picks. <laughs> we got golf on the ready. So I didn't watch the end of it. I got, we, right. you know, at home, it was time for dinner, yeah, went yeah, up, yeah. ate, um, and then I was, you know, back later on at night scrolling through Twitter, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's not right, and I remember vividly seeing that Cam Stewart had played on um, Wolf and Ricky, so that also, too, made me think, I'm like, yeah, I'm probably on the right side, I know Cam knows his golf, and well, he was, he was furious, that the way they decided the winner with the playoff closest to the yeah, pin. Yeah, it was all really on that one kind of playoff hole because there were like seven skins, I think, yeah. kind of rolled over to it. So that one shot wound up being over a million dollars in charity. Yeah, that's, So to me, it was one of those things where it was like, I'm very glad I didn't put any physical money down on this because I'm already not super big into golf. So if I'm on like the edge of my seat sure. and I got a bad beaten golf because I like the rules are completely unclear, I would have, I mean... Yeah, I would have been. I would have been. I feel horrible for for anybody that bet the Wolf Fowler combo. You guys were <laughs> were robbed. Um, Fair but, enough. Know, point your focus to Bundesliga next week. Don't worry about there it. There you go. There you go. I'll tell you something. I was happy over the weekend. It was beautiful here in New York City. I got out onto the course because you know me and my wife like to play, and it's something of a socially distant kind of activity. You can stay spread out, so we like that. I I got on the green from 135 away on an approach shot, and that was like. That's good enough for me. I'm trying to take baby steps. But I digress. The last thing I want to talk to you about today is obviously, you know, um, the docuseries that is The Last Dance. You referenced it. We talked about it. It has been a hot topic over the course of the last month. Um, and we saw the finale. Um, I got to tell you something. I, I knew the story. But hearing about it again and hearing it from Jordan in terms of the, you know, the pizza delivery guys in Utah, I thought was absolutely incredible. I knew that story already. There was the conversation about did he really have flu or was there something nefarious going on? But when he talked about like five delivery dudes, <laughs> you know, at the hotel room, I thought yeah. that was crazy. And ironically, my good friends over at RotoWare, they've already capitalized. Check it out on the screen. You see this already a shirt. Don't eat the pizza <laughs> in Utah. Utah, I think that was incredible the way that Jordan fought through like 
I don't want to call it an assassination attempt, but they certainly wanted to <laughs> compromise him for game six of the finals, right? I had, I had two takeaways from that. The first was those people who tampered with the pizza yeah. very much so better have been betting on the Utah Jazz. And uh, <laughs> it didn't work out for them. So, like, that's obviously an awful yeah. scene. Um, they were probably betting the under on his props, everything. Yeah, oh, yeah. Miserable. My other thing is, though, it really, to me, was almost like the perfect encapsulation sometimes of the Jordan career. A lot of it is this mythology. And I don't say that in saying that it's not real. To right. me, Michael Jordan is obviously one of, if not the... That dip rose at one point, being like, and then there was a lightning strike in the building. <laughs> like, the thing, there is, there is, like, and this is almost the thing that I started to wonder. Yeah. is if the mythology that exists around Michael Jordan will ever be able to exist for another athlete because of the times that we live in. Like, we were, my, my brothers and I were joking. Kind of, and tearing yeah. people down and trolls, is that what you mean? Right, and just like, we almost wondered, like, if LeBron does a documentary, right? Like, is there a way for him to, like, paint over this, the finals against the Mavericks to where, it, like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, because like, people are so present in the moment. But also, it might be a scenario, Dane, where it's just, I'm. I learn more through Jordan, through stories, through what people say. But right. LeBron, I know. So you kind of can't that. change it to me when it comes to LeBron. Yeah, but twenty years from now, you know that up and coming, you know, sportscaster like yourself is going to say the same thing. They're going to see the document, the documentary, the barber shop on LeBron or whatever it is, and they're going to be like, "Oh my God, I had no idea that he that Cleveland had never won a championship, and he decided to come home." You know that sort of stuff. Or I had no idea that he was advocating in a way that Michael Jordan never did by opening a charter school or whatever, or that he set the trend of you know talking to your friends and conglomerate super teams. You know, I, there will be people be people who didn't realize that at that point in time yeah i i think and I, I tell you that was the other big thing for me is like now a lot of people are wondering what's the next documentary and like mm -hmm. is there a 10 part series documentary and i think the most obvious thing that people kind of point to is lebron but sure. i'd love to i if if that because one of the more recent topics that kind of came out was like the warriors talking about that they didn't enjoy the 2018 finals right, and, right, right. That and honestly screw them for ruining the NBA. Yeah, I would have loved to seen it, sure. But like I'd love to hear the like through the prism of like the the warriors and and what that yeah, battle's I, like and just, just different things like that it was it was it was cool hearing like Reggie Miller yeah. and John Stockton and and right. things like that I think as well. I think that's true. I think LeBron is kind of the ready-made case of that um, here, at least, you know, because when I start thinking, the names that come to mind for me are like Tiger Woods right. or um, Serena Williams, sure. right? And then if you have to think about team sports, I think, unfortunately, you have to get beyond the borders of America. The name that comes to mind for me there would be like Cristiano Ronaldo yeah, or Lionel Messi, right? I think you could put something like that together, especially with Messi, when you think about his club play versus Argentina, okay. you know, and some of the things that go there. But absolutely, I do want to end on this because we talked about, you know, the pizza in Utah, right? Hmm. Yeah, and you say that, you know, you didn't know about some of these things. That's the way it went down back in the day. Kevin, okay, like with the pizza in Utah, I'll tell you, Lawrence Taylor used to call and order prostitutes to his opponent's hotel rooms, okay? Literally, I'm not making this up, okay, to kind of sap them of their strength. Um, you know, I know straight up here in New York, we would find where the opponents of the Yankees team hotel was and ring the fire alarm so they had to evacuate at 2, 3 o'clock. So this is not unique, all right? But it's interesting the way you see it in the prism of Michael Jordan. And boy, the last dance was something that I thought was done very well. That about does it from here. We'll be back for more tomorrow on the early line, giving you the edge as always right here on sports grid. Have a good one guys. Cool. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.